Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors, sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Duncan. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello, hello, hello. Davey Portman here from Up Next. And we are back with a brand new episode of Deep Impact because the big pay-per-view, the greatest wrestler of the last 10,000 years performed in a main event at Impact Wrestling. Yes, title v. title, champion versus champion. But I can't do this alone. I need to go over to another brand. I need to go over to the shot in the dark uh, roster to call someone. I've got John Ceno Evil here tonight with me. John, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm I'm here to rebel in this rebellion. This, whew, what a show, huh? I mean, this is a uh, this is the show that we're all waiting for. Champion versus champion. This is like the culmination of the Forbidden Door. It it is. Yeah. Or or is this just the beginning? Hmm. Mm, we'll see. Yeah, um, Sino, we we talked, we did our primer show uh, the other day, and I think both of us were kind of looking forward to this pay-per-view, not just the main event. I think they had a lot of, on paper, good matches uh, to look forward to. But obviously, the the main thing everyone here uh, is going to be here to talk about is Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan with the Unified Impact Championship on the line with the AEW Championship. And I, I think because that's the main event, uh, I think that's kind of where we're going to start uh, tonight. And we, as always, did a live watch along on Twitch, twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast. Um, and we had quite a lot in the room, especially for the main event. And quite a few people saying that they uh, they actually bought the event for the, the first time and first time pay-per-view buyers, that kind of thing. So obviously, from Impact's point of view, this... Uh, experiment, if you want to call it that, kind of did pay off. But um, w- do you think we'll be getting these fans possibly paying for the next one? 
That's the thing. I mean, going into this, I know we spoke about it in the primer. I was like, I personally felt like this didn't have as much talk and hype as the Slammiversary show from last year where we had all those like releases and who's going to show up and who's not going to show up. But there was some reports on Twitter that I guess this show had a higher buy rate than that show. So I'm like, oh, a lot of people are, are viewing this. But um, based on the main event, I, I feel like a lot of people might not come back unless they're like really big fans of Kenny Omega and no matter what he does or where he goes, they're going to mm-hmm. watch him. Then yeah, maybe they will tune in. And I know they promoted like three big shows in the next coming months. And I have some theories on what that might actually lead to, but um, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe that was smart of them to promote these three pay-per-views and be like, you know, bookmark these shows and Kenny Omega is going to headline all three of them at this point. Cause I will say from uh, the Twitch room was very popular um, at the time of the main event. And the general consensus was disappointment. And that's kind of what I came out of this show with was disappointment. But also I am aware that uh, kind of sometimes when you're in like the, the watch alongs and things, you can kind of feed off each other. So I'll be interested tonight. We do have the phone lines open. Uh, if you go to forum.postwrestling.com, the uh, the feedback thread for tonight's show is on there. And if you do wish to call in using Zoom later, uh, you can. And uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think, because I'm going to go right off the top, say I was kind of disappointed with that main event. But let's just uh, go into it and let's start right away with that main event itself. Uh, and then we'll run down the rest of the show. Uh, had some big promos throughout the night from both Kenny and uh, and Rich Swan. Um, maybe the best coming, as always, from uh, from Don Callis. But we had a, a great interview earlier with Rich, who is asked about his thought process going into this match. And he says it's the, the biggest match for our industry. It's unprecedented. Two champions going for one goal to prove we are the best and the top world champion when this all comes and uh, comes about the invisible hand don callis did get in my head a little bit and he played mind games but the time is upon us and there's not one mind mind game that can stop me proving that i'm the best this is the biggest match of my career but it's also the biggest match of kenny's career i've won world championships he's won world championships The thing that makes this bigger is that once that bell rings, one person is going to take home all the gold. This is another thing uh, people fail to bring up. We're not in an AEW ring. We're in Impact's house. This is my house. And if you think for one second that I'm going to let you come into my house and take away my pride and joy, my gold, you've got another thing coming. Um, Great promo from Rich here. Uh, I know a lot of people after this promo got a got kind of hype for Rich Swan, and I would say I think this this build has been fantastic. And as much as uh, like I think it seemed like a foregone conclusion that uh, Kenny was going to win this, I think Rich Swan did put a lot of doubt in your mind. No, for sure. And like you said, a lot of people kind of got behind Rich Swan. And I think what made it even better was the fact that Kenny didn't even speak. I don't know if that was intentional or he just mm. wasn't available to do an interview. But the fact that like Gia Miller went up to his door and Don Callis to speak on his behalf, it was very heelish, very like um, kind of like a Rocky movie where you have Rich Swan as Rocky, the underdog, and then somebody like a Ivan Drago or Kenny Omega that has his people talk for him instead. And he's just, you know, he's too busy for this. He's too above him. So that definitely made Swan like an even more underdog, which is kind of like ironic because this is like his pay-per-view. You would think that like, if it was, I couldn't say if it was like Rich Swan on a dynamite, he'd be the underdog, but this is his, his home ground and he's still the underdog. Absolutely. 
Um, we do go outside Kenny's dressing room, as you said, and Don comes out saying that Kenny's uh, got bigger things on his mind. He's got a big match coming up. Uh, but Callis says he's going to make history happen once again, like he did at the Tokyo Dome, like they did at Winter is Coming. And now it's title for title. And we're living in history right now. You can taste it. And the great part of this history is I've written it and I know how it will turn out. And he says, oh, you got me out of my he- of your head, Rich Swan. Congratulations, because now you have to worry about the greatest wrestler in a thousand years. I raised <laughs> Kenny. We're closer than blood. Oh, yeah, he raises this. He says a thousand years. And then later, I think he said 10,000 years. Yeah. He says how close him and Kenny are that he raised him from the age of 10. They've known each other for 27 years. And Rich's only family is the two wrestlers in the back. And there's no lower form of life than a pro wrestler. And if you really think that they're going to help you, then you really are an orphan tonight. Hell of a line from Callus here. Uh, He said, I had a vision of this day 27 years ago with a (laughs) 10-year-old Kenny Omega by my side. Yes, he dreamt about the non-existent AEW and Impact Championship being unified. And he says, vision without execution is just a hallucination. Tonight, we will execute and walk away with two world titles. You and everyone else out there will be there to witness history. Um, A lot of this stuff Callis has said before, but I think he's such a great mouthpiece. And why not hear it once more to just hype you up for the match? I I think they made Swan such a great baby face going into this and Kenny such a dastardly heel. Uh, everything going into this match, I, I thought was done really well. Uh, we've kind of mentioned about the lack of build from AEW side, but from this is an impact pay-per-view. And as far as impact wrestling, the TV has gone. I think they've done a, a pretty good job up until the bell with this match. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with him repeating lines because obviously you have new eyeballs on this that miss a lot of great, the, the promo from a couple of weeks ago with Swan and uh, Callis and you had the press conference. There was a lot of things that, had great buildup on the impact side that a lot of AEW viewers probably didn't even see. Um, and then, yeah, the whole like waited 27 years. Yeah. He waited 27 years to have a match in an empty arena during a pandemic. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's exactly what he was uh, visioning with a 10 year old Kenny Omega. 100%. But um, Don Callis, he always hits home runs. So I, I had no, no uh, doubt at all when he got on the microphone represented for Kenny. We also got confirmation. I, I thought this was already uh, confirmed, but uh, it's, Confirmed that we'll have two referees for the main event. We'll have Brian Hebner as the impact referee and Aubrey Edwards as the AEW referee. Um, This was announced earlier in the show as Gia Miller interviews Tony Khan, Tony Schiavone and uh, Jerry Lynn. Uh, Yeah. They say that. No, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say they bring Aubrey Edwards along with them. Uh, Scott Demore shows up. And he says he's happy to see them there, even Tony Schiavone, a little dig at Schiavone there. <laughs> uh, but Demore says we have the referee thing under control. And Tony kind of makes fun. He goes, oh, this guy, Brian, sorry, what's your surname? Hebner? Yeah, we all know about screw jobs. I don't think so. We're going to have two referees tonight, one champion, but two referees. Yeah, like, it's weird, like, the whole, like, um, two-referee thing, it was confirmed, which makes me think, like, maybe they taped some things out of order. I'm not sure how far back. They said it was live, but we know how things are probably not live during this time. And, like, I know they they definitely solidified it during the press conference, so I'm thinking maybe they filmed the press conference after this event just to, like, give a little bit more hype Hmm. for it. 
Um, that's what I'm thinking. But yeah, I love the whole like Tony Khan and this posse. He's got Jerry Lynn there. And then you got Tony Schiavone in the back, like puffing out his chest, trying to be all like all big. Um, but yeah, the whole the Hebner line was was amazing. Tony Khan still, you know, he people, you know, have ups and downs about the way he is, but he's definitely trying to develop some sort of heel persona here. But I think he he definitely delivered tonight. I like it. And I think it works for um, for this story. I don't necessarily want to see him as a on-screen character on AEW every week. But when it's company versus company, you kind of do need the the owners involved somehow. And I, I was pleased to see, finally, Scott Demore kind of interact with Tony Khan a bit, because that's something we haven't seen. And I, I, I think Demore's great. And I think this build could have maybe done with a bit more of that between the two. Um, but obviously this AEW Impact thing isn't over yet. So we have the main event. Don Callis enters uh, and to call out Kenny Omega, who comes out with the Good Brothers. And uh, the Good Brothers, look, uh, they... Sorry, I'll, I'll go over their gear later in their tag <laughs> match. But yes, uh, Don Callis comes out and interrupts David Penzer, who's the ring announcer, calling him a stooge. Once again, says 27 years in the making, culminating tonight, title v. title, champion v. champion, starts listing out all the greats, Hackenschmidt, Gotch, Terry and Dory Funk, Nick Bockwinkle, and says they're all insects compared to the greatest wrestler in 10,000 years. Your AEW world champion, Kenny, by God, Omega. David Penzer then proceeds to present Swan. Uh, the referees, both referees, hold up the three championships, the AEW, TNA, and Impact Championship. And the referees shake hands as Aubrey leaves the ring. So this is going to be Brian Hebner as the main ref with Aubrey on the outside. So at least that was better than, was it Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan we had who like divided the ring down the middle for yeah, a tag match? Yeah, that would have made, made, made the match... We'll get into it. You know, still was sloppy, but what that would have made the match even more like sloppy. Just multiple pin attempts from different corners and angles. It would have been. I'm not happy they had Aubrey on the outside. Yeah, that that was the right decision to make. Uh, the match starts pretty evenly. Uh, both showing off their speed. Swan teases a kick, which Kenny puts up his hands to block, and as he lowers them, Swan just slaps him in the face. There's a Phoenix splash from Swan to the outside. They then start brawling on the outside, and Kenny goes for this backdrop. And it looks like uh, Swan kind of handstands on the apron to block it, but then sells it as if he's been backdropped and spiked himself on his head. Uh, I didn't think this looked good at all. Um, and unfortunately, this was a major part of the match was the selling of the neck. I just thought this looked kind of weird here, John. Yeah, for sure. And then, like you noted on um, during a watch along, they went ahead and um, showed a replay of it. It's like something you just shouldn't show a replay of. And I know that during the primer, we we mentioned uh, maybe having some fans. We 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 did get some fans. We got a uh, Tony Khan, Tony Schiavone, and Jerry Lynn ringside was the only representation of fans there. But um, yeah, that spot just didn't look right. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll the get into is- more spots, but that one just seemed a little. Wonky. I think especially as we see Swan kind of handspring and handstand out of moves, it just looks like that's what he did. But it, it was actually a major part of the match and a big story point. And I think that's why they had to kind of show the replay. Uh, we get right. the, For the one-winged hook- angel. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we get the hook leg. Uh, I call it the sushi Goroshi from Kenny. Uh, and Kenny starts looking desperate with multiple pin attempts. Uh, Kenny starts attacking the neck even more. He goes for the Kataru Crusher, which Swan manages to handspring out of and follows up with a standing frog splash for a two. 
There's a Frankensteiner in the corner from Swan. And then there's this tease. Kenny's going for a uh, a powerbomb on the top and ends up getting backdropped off, but just look nasty. This was first of quite a few just botchy, sloppy bumps off the top rope. Yeah, a lot of times when, when people go on the top rope, like you can tell when something bad's about to happen. But in the back of my head, I'm like, no, it's it's Kenny Omega and Rich Swan. Like they know what they're doing. So mm. when it happened, like I was shocked, but I was also like, I knew that was gonna come. But um, yeah, I was like, you would think like these two, like the whole build, we're like, this is gonna be a great match. This is gonna be a great match. Uh yeah, that was just the first of many just really surprising yeah. like things. You think that these guys would work well with each other, but maybe not. Yeah, it, it was very odd. Uh, this is followed up with a big top rope frog splash from Swan for a two count. Kenny starts to fight back with a V trigger. He goes for the one winged angel. Swan's on his shoulders, but slips out. Uh, Kenny comes back with another V trigger. There's a second rope one winged angel attempt, but Swan slips out again and looked like he was maybe meant to hit like a, a poison Rana or, or a sunset bomb or something, but didn't hit it at all and you saw kenny just in a split second be like shall i take the bump shall i not take the bump and he took the bump but again another just nasty looking like just sloppy top rope move which i'm sure if this hit perfectly would have looked really cool and we've seen kenny do stuff like this before we've seen swan do stuff like this before it just wasn't their day we get a Snapdragon from Kenny, another really dirty looking Snapdragon from Omega, and then a handspring cutter from uh, Swan. But Kenny pulls Brian Hebner in the way and the ref eats the cutter, allowing Kenny to grab a steel chair. He teases to hit Swan, but Aubrey slides in and milks this for all it's worth, the dramatic pose behind Kenny as he's <laughs> raising the chair. She grabs the chair from his hands, pulls it away and says, this is a fair fight. We then get the springboard cutter from uh, from Swan to Omega and but followed by a cradle, which Kenny kicks out at one. Kind of didn't sell this move at all. Counters to another cradle for himself, but Swan kicks out. Uh, Kenny goes for a V-trigger, which Swan sidesteps and hits him with a Michinoku driver for a two. He hits his second rope Phoenix splash, but it's missed. We get another V-trigger from Kenny, the one-winged angel, but Swan fights out, but gets caught into Kreutz Wrath. It's the electric chair into the deadlift German. Looks great. Followed up by the Tiger driver 98, one, two, but Swan kicks out. There's another V-trigger. Another V-trigger, this time with the knee exposed. And then just before Kenny can hit a third V-trigger in a row, Swan collapses. Kenny then grabs him by the face, pulls him to the ropes, so Eddie Edwards and Willie Mack, who are at ringside to support their friend, can look in in his eyes as he hits a final V-trigger to the back of the head. Swan tries to fight back, but Kenny hits another knee under the jaw, Another V-trigger, and then the one-winged angel. And Kenny Omega wins the Impact and AEW Championship in 23 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little call back to some of the things you mentioned, but, like, the second botch attempt, 
yeah, it was definitely supposed to be like a poison rana. And then you could tell that like Swan was trying to call an audible and do some sort of sunset bomb with one hand. But obviously Omega didn't realize that. So he just kind of fell off really bad. So that looked even worse when you could tell they were trying to fix it on, on the fly, but couldn't. Um, then you had the thing with, with Aubrey Edwards with like with the with the the chair like that was a little too over dramatic she's like standing there with her hands on her hips kind of shaking her head wagging her finger you're like come on like the, he's holding the chair for like 20 seconds just take it away from him but maybe they're trying to like build up the whole thing like oh she's aw maybe she's gonna allow it but her facial reactions didn't really say that and then i was really surprised that kenny omega just no sold the uh his you know swan springboard stunner like like kicked out at one and like got up right away like i was really shocked by that um the positives, I mean, the B-triggers look deadly, like always. The one-winged angel obviously looked great. But overall, this match, I kind of wish it was maybe taped or edited at least because there were a lot of spots they could have definitely uh, worked around. It did not show off both champions good in any light. I mean, this could be one of Kenny Omega's worst matches, if that's even something you could say, I guess. I mean, I would personally. Um, it was not his best showing at all. Very amateuristic on a, for a Kenny Omega scale. And, yeah, I... And I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put that all on Swan. I, I thought, I, I just thought there was no connect. Like we've seen Swan have great matches with guys. We like just, just the other month, Swan and Moose had a fucking great match. And I know Moose really isn't everyone's cup of tea, but I thought that match was way, way better than this. We know Rich Swan can go. We know Kenny Omega can go. There was just something not connecting here. Um, the, I, I don't know if it's. Kenny's more used to that 20 by 20 ring, whether that's got anything to do with it, whether the ropes were slightly looser or maybe they, they just weren't connecting. It wasn't their day. Um, But also I just didn't feel Swan really got enough in. There was, there was no moment where I believed he was going to win the match. And I think I, I, that's kind of what I said before, before the show started tonight. If there's one moment, because I think we all, all thought Kenny was walking out of this as double champ. But if there's one moment where you buy that Swan could win it, then it's great. Like, think how the streak worked for all those years. All those years, you kind of thought, oh, Undertaker's not going to lose this. But they they have those moments where they put that doubt in your mind. There was never the doubt in my mind in this match. And it it just seemed a bit of a an easy win at the end. And, and I agree with you about Aubrey. I think uh, it's something... Maybe she's not as used to because they've always had some some sort of fans there at Dynamite. The empty arena thing. I know from my acting experience, there's such a difference. Like performing a play in a a tiny studio with thirty people in the audience, where it's very intimate, to performing in a a big theater with a thousand people or performing on uh, on camera. You kind of have to change the style. And I felt Aubrey was playing out playing to Daly's place where really she just needed to play to the the two people in the ring. It, it was very dramatic and kind of made the match feel cheaper. I thought it just felt quite amateur at that point. Um, it really didn't need any of the ref bumps. Uh, I was surprised we didn't get more shenanigans actually with everyone around. And I would say that is a positive thing, but realistically the ref bump didn't need to happen at all because no. it didn't lead to the finish. Um, yeah. It- it should also be noted that Mauro Ranallo was on commentary, but he it was a three-man booth. It was him, Stryker, and D'Lo Brown. And honestly, from what I heard, D'Lo sounded like non-existent. It was mostly just Mauro and Matt, which I think are two voices that don't really go together because they're both kind of like over the top. I would have just kept it 
Moro and Dilo, or maybe even Moro and Tony Schiavone, since he was there and had kind of like representation from AEW. Um, but from what I heard from Moro, he was, you know, he was in Moro style. He didn't really go too crazy over the top. But then again, there wasn't really anything in this match for him to go over the top. It wasn't like your takeover main event. Um, so, but from what I heard, Moro was pretty good. Um, do you want to go into like what we think might happen with Kenny Omega's like title reign? Because I have a couple like suggestions of what they can do going into the future now that he's actually champion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we said, like this, you could have looked at this as the culmination of this story, but perhaps this is the more of the beginning of this story. Now the Kenny's going to be representing AEW and Impact. Uh, where do you see it going from here? Yeah, I mean, they made the promise that he was going to be there every week. So that should be something that at least they have to promise or deliver in some way. And they really hit hard the fact that there was three pay-per-views like back-to-back. I know they, they promoted uh, Under Siege in May against all odds in June. And then the big one being the Slammiversary one in July. And they had kind of like similar promo they did last year where it's like the world changes again. So last year, obviously, the storyline was all these people being able to compete after the 90 days are up and they're going to debut a anniversary. So they did the same thing here. They showed some picture. They showed some Samoa Joe. They showed some New Japan talent as well. Me personally, I would have the next three shows, Kenny Omega has to defend the title. So I would definitely maybe do a rematch with Swan. Uh, a match with Moose definitely has to happen. And me personally, if it's possible, if he's able to wrestle, I would have Samoa Joe coming in, representing Impact, being the guy that finally takes out, takes the title back from Omega. And then somehow go into AEW after that. Just kind of being like kind of how Taz did back in the day where he fought Mike Awesome representing WWE, but he mm. still took the title and gave it to ECW. Something similar like that with Samoa Joe. And that would be huge. And honestly, I can't see anybody right now that's big enough to represent Impact at least and take the title away from Kenny. Nothing against Swan or Moose. But if you have a Samoa Joe and you build it in advance or you actually promote the fact that Joe is going to come in and fight Omega and that's your main event, that would be huge. That would be humongous. Uh, I'm with you. I can't on the roster. There's no one aside from Moose and Swan right now. Uh, I see perhaps Swan getting it back from Kenny down the line, and it can always be more of a screwy finish. But I think from what we saw on Impact last week, Moose is definitely the direction, and I think that's a good direction. I think it's a different kind of match for for Kenny and. Um, Moose has actually been really impressing me over the last year. So I think that could be a good direction. Joe, if it can happen, I, I love it, but I got to admit, um, got kind of burnt last year with Slammiversary. So I'm tempering my expectations. Uh, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be Tucker. We all know it's gonna be Tucker. It's gonna be Tucker and the Iconics. Now, now, now two questions. So are you one surprised that Moose didn't show his face at all? And number two, his promo that he had on Rebellion, on, I'm sorry, on Impact last week, it was pretty much like a warning to Swan. If he doesn't win the title, he's going to be coming after him, right? That was like yeah. what he said. So I guess they're going to be going back to Swan and Moose without the titles on the line? I think so. Um, I mean, the, I wonder if Kenny is defending on all three of those Impact shows. Maybe the Impact Plus show could be... Moose and Swan, number one contender, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe the, the biggest story coming out of this show is Kenny being the kind of double, triple, quadruple champion, whatever you want to call him. Um, and I think it would have taken away from that to have any angle with Moose or whatever after. I think you can save that for TV. We've got weeks of TV of tapings now. Uh, you can start that story off on Thursday. Um but maybe let's, we do have a couple of people who'd like to talk about the uh, Kenny Omega Rich Swan match. So let's go to a couple of calls and then we can get to some more overall thoughts on the whole pay per view a bit later on. But I know 
MJ is itching to tell us how much he loved this main event. MJ, how are you doing there? Good evening, gentlemen. I'm a very disgruntled Kenny Omega fan tonight. Oh, and no. Davey, you're being far too nice to Richard Swan. Um, where to begin? First of all, it should be known I ordered this pay-per-view. I spent the $40. I supported Impact Pro Wrestling. The last time I did such a thing, I went to the infamous Sting Jeff Hardy taping. So this is the first pay-per-view I've gotten back in. In got so you know how many years is that? That's a long time. That's been a while. That's been a while. Yep. So I was listening to you guys and I uh, went inside and I ordered the pay-per-view with three matches left. And to my surprise, I turned on what I thought was Monday Night Raw. Everything was red and uh, looked like it was in the performance center. Flashbacks to this time uh, last year. So right away, I was unimpressed and I, I kind of had in my head said, this is not going to go well. Uh I thought the main event was ambitious. I thought they tried to do a lot of stuff. I thought Kenny took the kid gloves off and really tried to like get a great match out of Swan. I thought Swan was just not up for it. I mean, this was like the equivalent of if Rich Swan was still in WWE, this is like him fighting Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Like they're going to do a title unification or not a unification, but a title for title, a title match. And, you know, we're thinking about Omega. He's going to go out and collect titles. He's going to fight Abushi. He's going to fight Osprey. And this was Rich Swan. It was extremely disappointing. And as a Kenny Omega fan, like, I kind of bought into this idea. He'd go out and have amazing matches. The one in AAA was a banger. This was a clunker. And it kind of leaves me feeling after the way that they positioned him with the Moxley uh, debacle. You know, like, they made him the fall guy for, like, you set up a bad exploding ring. Mm. Then tonight he goes to Impact and he wrestles on what looks like a, a you know a warehouse raw edition of Impact and has multiple botches and comes out of this like what's the heat you know what's he do yeah. what's the what's the next big thing Cena's got the best idea going with Samoa Joe but they would have lucked into that because Samoa Joe just got released they can't act like that was the plan for right. sure yeah so all well, right, that's a lot. So question. So obviously you followed Kenny Omega a long time with New Japan and being the elite. Do you feel like between this match tonight and also like some of the recent things, maybe with the exploding barbed wire tobacco, you think that like the legacy of Kenny Omega has been tarnished anyway because of like some recent happenings? Or do you think he's fine? I think he's the greatest wrestler in the last 10,000 years. I mean, <laughs> listen, listen to the invisible hand, right? Like he's telling you the truth. He wrote it. He knows. Um, no, the legacy's not tarnished because he's he's had all the classics. He's had he's redefined what it is to have you know top star rating matches, and he's done big business. If this thing did as well as they say it did, like better than Slimversary, all right, he's a he, he drives business. He's a star. At the same time, he got very ambitious with this whole like I'm bringing back the cleaner and I'm going to go out and collect titles. And the match with Moxley was amazing. It was just the fact that it didn't go off as planned at the end. And then they made him the fall guy. So in storyline, he's kind of this like buffoon who couldn't set it up correctly. And now he's going to go off collecting titles. And like, he kind of needed to come back stronger than he did tonight. And I will say this about Swan. Like he's a very good wrestler when he's wrestling guys like Moose, when he's in that kind of what I'll define as mid card scene. But when he steps up, that whole thing with Aud Aubrey uh, was because he wasn't getting up fast enough for Kenny to raise the chair to actually hit him. That's him. You know, like that, that's 
him trying to do the audible, that's, and he's a great wrestler, but I think impact needs to figure out what they're going to do to position somebody because, um, Moose is going to have the same problem. Like Kenny having ambitious matches. Now he can have a safe match and get him through a great match. I think that'd be very entertaining. I wish he did that tonight. They didn't need to go to the top rope a second time. First one didn't work, Yeah, but I give them credit. They tried. Um, that is, you know, those are my thoughts. I would say uh, Kenny Omega is such an interesting kind of wrestler personality to look at because at the moment I'm getting mixed messages from him. Uh, Kind of, I would say I have not really, he feels directionless on dynamite right now. Um, I, I don't know what his program is. Is he going, is he going against Moxley again? Is it Kingston? Is it going to be a tag? It seems Whilst this Rich Swan thing's been going on, he's he's been focused on that. But from watching Dynamite, you wouldn't know about it at all. And on one hand, he's playing this kind of chicken shit heel who's vanishing in in trailers uh, to who knows where. But on the other hand, he he is the cleaner and he is the guy that can get the job done and doesn't need to do those dirty tactics. And I, I feel I feel character wise, he's a bit all over the place and and kind of the pieces are there like callus is great having the good brothers there are great and this faction behind him i just i don't know if everything's being used correctly right now and i i don't know if they're juggling too many things and maybe maybe the the belt collector thing is just distracting because at the end of the day we've got to get the titles back off of him um and that means losses and uh, i don't know like i i find I wouldn't put this all down on Rich Swan. Like having watched both guys quite a bit, uh, it felt just something was off between them, and I wouldn't necessarily put that on Swan. You say about being slow to get up. Well, he's he's selling, and it's up to like kind of Kenny and Aubrey have to kind of fill that as well. Uh, I don't know. Just I'll, go, I'll, go I'll say him, so. The, the the match. I will point out things about Swan. Mm. The evolution or rather the 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 last few weeks or last few months of kenny omega like i said off the top i'm a disgruntled kenny omega fan and i followed him a long time and i've gone up to see him perform in different places and like that i'm not happy with kenny omega either the hmm. match stuff swan uh someone cena was saying like the hope spot where you or you were saying where you just needed the one moment where you thought he might win yeah he tried to go to the top rope at the end to try to hit a, a splash and he did it with no urgency. That like that that was the, the other thing that I in the match that stuck out to me. But about where Kenny's going, like they have not been big to bring in other titles on Impact. They have not. Uh, I'm sorry, on Dynamite, they didn't mm. bring in Moxley's U, uh, U.S. title when he was going to defend it. They didn't bring in the AAA belt. Kenny's now collected these like Impact titles. If they don't show it, like I really don't care where he goes next. You know, and I'll be critical of Kenny. Like, I really just don't care what he goes and does next, because if it's not going to be the character that I watch on the main program that he's on, then, like, what do I care what he goes and does and collects titles in, you know, indie promotions? That's, yeah, that's perfectly yeah. fair. That's, that's, that's like Thanos collecting the Infinity Gauntlet, and he shows up in Ant-Man and doesn't even bring them with him, you know? Perfect. Let me let me get off. There's other people on, but you guys do a great job. Sino, Thanks, you MJ. cover so much wrestling now, man. I'm so uh, amazed by what you do every week. Um, and Davey, good luck with Thank the move. You. Bye, guys. Thank you very much, MJ. Cheers. Yeah, I, I think MJ makes a good point there. Is If you're not going to highlight it on the main show Kenny's on, then what's the point? And I would say... 
uh, I'm a Kenny Omega fan, but he's not the person I'm excited to see every week on Dynamite. I, I'm not excited to see Kenny's title run when I tune into Dynamite. I'm more interested in in other things, which kind of tells me something isn't quite working there. Yeah, um, it's going to be weird because like, like we're going to get some sort of a semblance of, I mean, probably not on this week's episode of Dynamite because it was already taped unless we get some sort of pre-recorded thing. But then like he's involved with this thing with Kingston and and uh, Moxley. So even if he does like bring up Impact, it's going to be an afterthought. He's going to like mention it or Kyle's going to mention it and then it's just going to be forgotten about and they're going to move on to whatever the AEW storyline is. So yeah, I agree with MJ. It's like, if you're not going to talk about it, this main character, then why should I care? He's absolutely right. Um, well, let's go now through the rest of the show. And if anyone wants to call in later, we can get some calls about kind of the rest of the show and any more thoughts on the main event. Uh, but we start off with... Uh, there was a dark match, actually, a pre-show match. Uh, Rosemary and Havoc defeated Kimberly and Susan in the pre-show. Um, yeah, Nevaeh just quietly being released by Impact. It seems like they were going to do a, a bit of a feud between her and Havoc that just led to nowhere. Seems uh, very strange, but I... I yeah, haven't... their, their blow-off match was literally on one of the Impact before the Impact pre-shows. That was the final match. Havoc won, and then Nevaeh just silently went away and now she got replaced with rosemary now it's rosemary and havoc i guess are a new tag team while kimberly is back from her injury and susan is still kind of from what i heard she kind of was clicking back in and out from her sue young character so that's the the story with that i guess right so uh still always just uh just playing around with susan is she susan is she sue young is she Susie? uh didn't get any of that tonight though um but we start the night with an X Division Championship match. It's a triple threat. Ace Austin defending the title against TJP and Josh Alexander. We've seen a lot from these three over the last few weeks. Everyone's got to win over each other. Uh, seen a lot of combinations. I, I feel like I've even seen this triple threat match before. I might be wrong. Um, but this starts off very quickly. They actually tease a kind of three-way grapple at the beginning, which uh, which I thought was pretty cool. And pretty much the whole match was all three wrestling at the same time, which uh, seems to be a bit of a newer formula with triple threats. They're kind of easing away from the one person goes to the outside and takes a nap while the other two have a singles match. This, this whole match is pretty much the three of them. We get a beautiful Fosbury flop from Austin, taking out both guys on the outside. Um, at one point, Ace Austin pulls out the playing card to do the, the paper cut through the fingers, but the referee really doesn't like this and pulls it don't away. You, which Don't you dare. Yeah, you can use chains and stairs and, and chairs, but don't you dare use a card. This is very, it's a triple threat match. It's no DQ. And yeah, we've seen so much crazy stuff happen in, even later on tonight, there are singles matches, which... Uh, are regular rules that are more dangerous than this. But for some reason, the referee draws the line at a paper cut. Hey, maybe um, he sees that as like a form of blade thing. I mean, technically you're cutting yourself, right? I mean, that could cause blood. So maybe that's a no-no in impact. Maybe, maybe. We have Josh Alexander hitting two German suplexes on Ace Austin. Austin struggles to get out of the third, but then gets hit with a straight jacket German, which looked awesome. TJP stops Alexander doing the divine intervention, the Tiger Driver 98. And then Josh Alexander hits maybe the best move of the whole evening. All three guys are fighting on the top rope and he hits a side Russian leg sweep superplex to both guys. Uh, you know me, Sino. I love me a good side Russian leg sweep. Add a superplex into it. Make it an avalanche. 
Fuck yeah, this looked great. TJP then hits the Mamba Splash to Austin, but Alexander breaks it up by applying the ankle lock to TJP. TJP then goes for the detonation kick, but this gets countered into an ankle lock, which TJP reverses into a knee bar as Alexander applies a new ankle lock to Ace Austin. So all three are in some sort of submission here. TJP then gets kicked off, but comes back and applies the octopus stretch to Alexander as he's applying the ankle lock to Austin. Uh, Austin breaks free and hits the fold to both guys, which looked really cool, but only a two count. Alexander then hits Divine Intervention to DJP, but Austin breaks it up. Austin then goes for like a, a kind of Rana off the top rope, but it gets countered into the ankle lock. Looked uh, looked kind of weird, the bump, but it was saved with the, the submission transition here. TJP then breaks that up with the Mamba Splash. And then Fulton, who's on the outside in Ace Austin's corner, breaks the pin. TJP then takes him out and the two are brawling on the outside as Josh Alexander hits Divine Intervention to Ace Austin, one, two, three, and Josh Alexander in 11 minutes, 14 seconds is your new X Division champion. Yeah, I mean, just like we predicted, we knew this match was going to be great. Like anybody, any combination of these three or anybody in X Division is going to be a great match. Um, the only negatives is I didn't expect a title change because like you pointed out, this title has switched around how many times since this year started alone between TJP, the same guys, Ace Austin, Josh Alexander. And like you said, we have seen this match plenty of times, like combinations you throw in PD Williams, Falaba, uh, Madman Fulton, but the match itself was great. I mean, whenever they had like the triple submission spots, like things like that are just always like great to watch. Um, I just feel like they, and I mentioned this before, I feel like they need to just, change up the division, throw in Samurai Del Sol, a.k.a. Kalisto into this X division and, and watch how crazy the matches could even get. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just shocked by the result. I'm just, like Josh Alexander just had it. I feel like a couple weeks ago, like every pay-per-view or impact plus special, I'm pretty sure the X division title has changed hands. Um, so that's like my only negative about it, but the match was great. I, I'm with you hundred um, percent. I've been covering impact for a year now, just over a year now. And I think this is maybe the seventh or eighth champion. <laughs> Uh, we've had Willie Mack, we've had Chris Bay, we've had TJP, we've had Rohit Raju, we've had Josh Alexander, we've had Ace Austin. It goes on and on and on, and it fills every pay-per-view this title changes, which does somewhat devalue it, I think. But I thought the match was really good. It's what you expect from these three. I would say because we've seen the combination before quite a lot, it didn't necessarily feel fresh, but I thought they delivered a good match. Uh, I would say let's get... Black Taurus out of decay and put him in this division as well because I think he could really freshen it up and he's someone you already have on your roster. Oh, absolutely. I would love to see him. There's a lot of people on this roster they could probably throw in there if they really wanted to. If, if, yeah. If they were able to hold on to, I know they're the tag champions, but if you were to like throw in a David Fanley in an X oh, division yeah. or even Robinson as a solo act, that would be amazing. Uh, but overall, really, really strong open to the show. Just a good, quick match. I think this is the right choice to kick things off. Um, I, I really enjoyed this. We go to an Eric Young promo who uh, Eric Young has got a torn ACL. So he's out rumored for about six months, uh, but he's there with Violent by Design. He was scheduled for an eight man match tonight, but we see him with Violent by Design talking to an unknown person there off shot. And he says, the sickness tried to remove me and take me out, but I'm still steering this ship. And it led me to you. You're not ready for the truth. 
You're not ready for violent by design, but you're ready for the opportunity. You'll make your mark in one fell swoop if you do what I know you're capable of. So uh, very unlike Impact to uh, kind of not promote a mystery man <laughs> ahead of time. They could have they could have sold this even more pay-per-view buys tonight if we'd have known there was going to be a mystery man. Yeah, it makes me wonder how far in advance they, this was taped or they knew of the injury because it could have been just like a sudden um, and we'll get into who the mystery person is, but maybe that person themselves weren't wasn't really prepared. Um, so yeah, it's, maybe they just didn't really have a heads up on it. You never know. It could have been like a day up thing or a week up thing. So we go to the match. It's Eddie Edwards, Chris Sabin, James Storm, and Willie Mack taking on Violent by Design, which is Joe During, Dina, Rhino, and tagging with them tonight is W. Morrissey. Oh, my God. Sino. I couldn't isn't, believe we had the return of W. Morrissey to wrestling. Isn't Morrissey like a, a, a singer from England? It's not like a... <laughs> he is, yeah. The Smiths. That's what I thought when I saw Morrissey. I could have... <laughs> I, I could have, I could have believed it. Like seriously, like he's used Kaz XL. It's big Cassidy guys, it's, but like yeah, it's big, Cass. it's big Cass. <laughs> but like the names you could have choose. I know his real name is William Morrissey, but Morrissey, like I, I don't know that many, many t- Italians from Queens named Morrissey. Um, oh my god, this name was bad. Like I, W Morrissey as well. It's not I, w, I know, the... dot, w period Morrissey. It's like <laughs> not even like W dash or W W point like period Morrissey. This this really felt like they just saw this guy walking in Nashville on the day and went, hey, uh, Eric Young's injured. What are you doing tonight? Because <laughs> And then it's, oh, well, we can't call yourself Big Cass. We can't call yourself Colin Cassidy. Oh, just go as W. Morrissey. Um, he comes out rocking just streetwear. He's in jeans and boots. But to be fair, he looks great. This guy's yeah, he in looks, yeah. incredible I'm- shape. And I'm very happy because I know there was a scare like what, like over a year ago where he had some sort of like something happened and he had like some sort of attack and he was sent to the hospital. He was in really bad shape at one point. So people were worried about him. And then there was that recent return with Enzo at an indie show. So people had high hopes for him. So I'm actually, I'm very happy. He's like great looking and he's actually like able to be on this show. So all jokes aside, like it's, his name sucks, but I'm happy to see him in this great condition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it's glad I'm with you. It's it's great to see this guy doing well. He looks in phenomenal shape. He's someone who um, I really liked in NXT. I like both him and Cass. They were they were really popular. We recently reviewed the Wembley show where they were so so over, and and kind of has seemed like a nice guy in the past with interviews and stuff. And then the whole Enzo thing happened. Cass seemed to get a bit of a, a kind of an attitude as well, and alcohol and stuff, and. Uh, it looks like he's turning his life around, which is a good thing. So uh, I'm hoping for for good things for this guy because he looks tremendous. This guy is like 10 foot tall. Um, everyone in the Twitch room tonight was just calling him Giant Edge because he's got a real Edge vibe about him. Yeah, we should have got tipped off when uh, Eric Young was talking to somebody. He's looking seven feet in the air. We should have figured it was going to be somebody big. Oh, yeah. So let's get to the match. We get a nice belly to belly throw from Eddie Edwards to Dina. Um James Storm and W. Morrissey then have this big stare down in the ring. And that's when you realize just just how big Cass is. He's huge. Just towering. His name, is, his name is Morrissey. You need to call Sorry. him either, either W or Morrissey. You can't Sorry. call him Cass. Anymore. W. You realize how big W is here. We get a big boot to Storm, sending him to the outside. Uh, there's this 
great hot tag to Willie Mack, who really like lifted this match up. He pit, hits this awesome looking spinning uppercut. Uh, there's a Tope Suicida from Sabin taking out Rhino and Doring, a cannonball from Mack, a Liger bomb into a PK combo from Edwards and Sabin, which looked pretty good. And then the top rope elbow from Storm for a two. And then everyone is on the outside. It's JR's favorite spot. Everyone is stood on the outside as Sabin and Dina set up for a superplex onto everyone. Um, Morrissey and Mac are now staring each other down. Mac goes for the stunner, but it gets blocked. There's the big boot from, sorry, almost said Cass, Morrissey, <laughs> but he doesn't go for the cover. Instead, he picks up Mac, hits the East River Crossing, which is like the the spinning, like sidewalk slam kind of thing. Yep. And gets the win in 10 minutes, 11 seconds. I I can't say I was too excited about this match. I can't say the match did a whole lot for me. Uh, I did think Cass looked pretty, sorry, Morrissey looked pretty impressive here. I thought Mac was definitely the highlight of the match for me. Um, did Joe During even wrestle? I, I can't remember a single thing During did in this match. I don't think he did. And like, I know he was tall, but like him standing on the apron next to Morrissey, he looked small compared to big Morrissey over here. Um, going into the match, I didn't like, didn't even want to watch this match, but at least mm. with Cass or the former Cass coming in, I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then like, I know we were trying to figure out like what his finishing move is because we swore this guy had like four different finishing moves. He had an elbow, a big boot, the East River, whatever fall slam he calls it. Um, so that made it a little interesting to see him in it. Now, do you feel like this could have been like one of the surprises they probably would have kept for Slammiversary, but due to the circumstances, they kind of rushed it up. Um, I could see him signing to Impact, but I definitely don't see him with Violent by Design. If anything, I could see him feuding with them, maybe on Impact. Um, they kind of get into his face and they kind of like, oh, you're part of us. And he's like, I'm not with you guys. I was just, you know, taking an empty spot, taking an opportunity. So I can see him feuding with Violent by Design to the point where Slammiversary we're going to get all day EA, whatever you want to call him, and NZO comes in as uh, his backup to, to fight off the Violent by Design. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen at some point. Yeah, I, I don't want to see him with this faction. I really do not like this faction. Uh, it does nothing for me. It's very Bray Wyatt-esque with its promos. I don't really understand what they're fighting for. During does nothing at all. Uh, Rhino, it's I love Rhino, but come on, it's 2021. I I'm kind of over Rhino as well. Um, the promo beforehand made me think that this is a one one only thing. Whether they'd have saved him for Slammiversary, I don't know. I I don't know if because uh, that's a couple of months away still. I don't know if that would be a big enough name. I I, I look more to the recent releases. Um, right. But we know he's he did stuff with uh, in Gallows and Anderson Gallows show, Roger, he, yep. which is mm-hmm. kind of affiliated with Impact somewhat. I think they put it on Impact Plus, so uh, the relationship's obviously there. But uh, I I would prefer to see Cass in a babyface role. I think that's how he works better. Even though he can be a monster heel, I think it's his his personality that often shines through a bit better. And I think for that to happen, he's better as a babyface. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of with you. I wouldn't mind him feud- feuding with Violent by Design. I don't know about you, but I kind of want to hear what a certain somebody from New Jersey might have to say about a W. Morrissey. I feel like he probably would have a lot to say. Shall we go to him now? Let's go to him now. Okay. Brandon, are you there? I'll mute yourself, Brandon. Hey, what's up, man? Hey. How are you doing? How are you? 
Good, good. Uh, no, um, <laughs> yeah, I just saw the picture. I didn't watch the show, uh, but uh, I, I, I was following along tonight. But I did see the picture of W.H. Park Morrissey, and he, he, he looks tremendous. <laughs> W.H. Park Morrissey, love it. He looks like a main what? eventer, man. An impact. <laughs> he does, yeah, he does. <laughs> he did. He did look great. Um, I, I I wish him the best. And what I, 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 his his tenure at, at the at the Fed didn't end well with the and what now we all know what happened and whatnot uh, backstage issues. Oh, have we lost? Know, you? But, uh, oh. yeah, I wish him the best and, and whatnot. No, he's there. I mean, would I mean, you would you let him rock like solo, or do you think he needs somebody like Enzo to kind of be there to help him along this time? Uh you remember the the, the Daniel the Daniel Bryan feud, right? <laughs> I try not to. Yeah, unfortunately, I do. I, he, I think he does. He, he sort of needs a mouthpiece, but I, we haven't seen him in in I don't know months, years. So who knows, man? Uh, you think it's a one off with him and <laughs> at Impact? Um, I, I could see him being like a like a Matt Cardona, where he sticks around but doesn't actually sign. Yeah. Or you don't think Vince was watching the Impact today and he saw how in great shape he was and, and had a heart on, and it was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I got to sign this edge. I need I need an edge besides uh, the edge we have in our in our organization. <laughs> what I find interesting with Casto is when he was with Enzo, he could talk pretty well. And that's why I'm saying, like, I think maybe I think he's better as a baby face. Um, it, it almost Enzo gave him confidence because you really saw in his his promos how he improved just the little shtick that Enzo and Cass had at the beginning. Um, but yeah, lost maybe his voice as soon as he AW turned heel. Dark. What's that, Brandon? Maybe they could maybe they could farm him out to AEW Dark or AEW Elevation. <laughs> I'm gonna say AEW Evolution. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, Tony Khan will will buy a better name than W. H. Park Morrissey, whatever whatever his name is. <laughs> Maybe we can just have Cass on every show, so so Sino can talk about him. Who will he talk about more in a week? Will it be Leo Rush, TJP, or W. Morrissey? Jesus. W. Morrissey. Oh, TJP. He's on every show. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Don't don't, don't remind <laughs> me. I wonder if like like because I listened to Christian on the uh, AW podcast and he was saying how like when he first started he had this like confidence issue like where he didn't he couldn't talk unless he was like around Edge. I wonder if like Big Cass might feel the same way. Maybe like when he's around Enzo, being a real life friend, will actually bring his actual personality out of him. I don't know. That's just what I'm thinking. Um, maybe he just doesn't feel comfortable alone. You never know. I mean, if you if you've seen Enzo, I mean uh, Enzo lately. I don't. <laughs> I think I think Cass wants to uh, <laughs> be a uh, be solo. <laughs> Because Enzo looks like he's in shambles. He's mm. <laughs> um, uh, and one more thing. Uh, so, what's what's the payoff between the uh, Impact and, and AEW going to be? Because, uh, uh, I mean, so far uh, Impact's been taking nothing but L. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's and, and, yeah, and, you're right. And I don't think they're getting that much uh, uh, pub and whatnot, right? They're not being promoted by by AEW. I mean, AEW is coming across as the heel. Yeah, they are. And with and with a, a company like that, it's getting like a million. Oh, you still there, Brandon? Might have lost him. We've lost him, but yeah, what's the what's the end game there? It's it is very odd the lack of promotion, and that's why I'm kind of hoping as a, 
as I've mentioned a couple of times here, I'm hoping this is the more so the first chapter of this story. And you can have Kenny maybe appearing on Impact. Uh, oh, have I? Has this frozen? Um, no. Oh, I think we're good. Oh, no, we're, we're good. good. Sorry, we can uh, we can have Kenny appearing on Impact start with regularly, and then maybe stop showing up and maybe take that title a bit more hostage. Eventually, I would like some actual invasion, you know, impact talent, like a whole load of them coming to AEW. But it would work better after time because it's it makes more sense because it's been built up and they've been kicked to the curb so many times. But I don't know if that's in the in the cards for AEW or or TNT. But I would definitely like a year from now, as we said, like blood and guts is this time of year, like a year from now, if you could do Impact versus AEW in a Blood of Guts match, that would be awesome. But will this story be going on as long as that? We don't know the time I mean, frame. The next show is called Under Siege. I know there was that joke of like when Kurt Angle, when the Raw roster got invaded by SmackDown, it's like, we're Under Siege, we're Under Siege. So you would think Under Siege means some sort of like invasion type angle. I know like the colors were like camouflage army type thing. So you never know. That could be like your next go-to. Um, As far as like Impact in the short end, they definitely have, but if this buy rate is as high as they say it is, maybe they're satisfied with that. Maybe they're happy to just get people to buy their pay-per-view. Maybe it's working for them. You never know. Like it, it's it's hard to kind of gauge you know what satisfaction impact has out of this. They might have benefited and things that we just don't realize. Well, let's get back to the show. We go to our next match. It's Brian Myers taking on Matt Cardona, the former Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. Uh, the whole story going into this is these guys are best friends. Brian Myers came over to Impact to kind of start fresh and be on his own. But shortly after, his best friend Matt Cardona comes along. And bad news, Brian isn't happy with his former tag partner being there because he thinks he's trying to steal his spotlight and tread on his toes. Um, and it's all culminated in this match tonight. Now, Matt Cardona comes out. We were trying to work out what his gear is because we know he loves his action figures. Uh, we know he's a bit of a geek at heart. And he had these like lime green and purple gear with these big kind of like LOD horned shoulder pads, but more like uh, sort of dinosaur horns almost. Uh, yeah. What did you make of his gear? Yeah, initially my thought was like he looks like some sort of like Ninja Turtle villain or something, just like some Bebop Rocksteady type of character. And then he had like some nasty boy colors, obviously Legion of Doom. But then I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? Mortal Kombat just came out. I know Shao Kahn has like the shoulder pads with the spikes coming out. So maybe that's what he was going for. But it was just like a mixed match of just all types of things into one. It was like maybe he just took four of his favorite action figures and told his uh, ring gear guy to um, make an outfit, some original outfit. But yeah, he had that. And Brian Myers was... Supposed to be Weapon X from Wolverine, but to me, it looked like one of the Putty Pro Patrol <laughs> members from Power Rangers. So um, I think that kind of that that straight gray color didn't really do nothing for him. He didn't really look Weapon X to me. Maya's gear never really does a whole lot to me, but especially, yeah, the Putty Patrol gray. Uh, but Cardona's gear was excellent, I thought. Really WrestleMania level gear here for Cardona. Yeah, he definitely was saving it just in case uh, Stanford gave him a call, I think. Yes. Cardona goes for the handshake before the match, but Myers flips him off. Uh, Cardona goes for the broski boot early, but Myers slips out the ring. They now start brawling on the outside, and uh, Cardona at one point actually sticks his thumb in the bad eye of Brian Myers, followed up by a missile dropkick. Just want to reiterate, 
This isn't a no DQ match. And the same ref was fine with the thumb in the eye. But God forbid you get a playing card and put it in between someone's <laughs> fingers. There's a Rough Rider, uh, the radio silence on the ramp, which looked pretty great. Uh, as the two are down for quite a while. We go back into the ring and there's a top rope elbow from Myers for a two. Cardona then hits the unprettier, which I think Stryker called it the hot mess. Um, Myers then runs into double knees in the corner. Cardona goes for radio silence again, but is kind of popped up over Myers' head and Cardona's knee buckles. And he's there. He kind of pulls down his, uh, his knee pad and is checking on his knee. And... Uh, Myers kind of goes over to him. He's checking. The ref is throwing up the X, wait, pushing Myers back. And then Myers goes over and offers his hand as he is his best friend. He picks up Cardona, hits him with the clothesline, and then sets him up, hits the roster cut lariat. And Brian Myers pins Matt Cardona in 10 minutes, 10 seconds. Yeah, I didn't pick up on the hot mess thing. It's actually interesting because that, that was uh, Chelsea Green's like exactly, old gimmick yeah. when she was uh, Impact. So that was pretty cool. The match didn't really do nothing for me. Obviously, it was probably a big moment for them. It was their blow-off after years of being partners and podcasters and all that. Um, but yeah, the match and the ending with, you know, it kind of felt telegraphed with uh, Cardona getting injured. And he really, he was. But then Meyer showed sympathy. It wasn't really... They didn't really hit, hit it hard that he actually cared. It was kind of like, oh, he picked them up and they just turned them right, right away. Um, I feel like they're going to be some sort of rematch, like, right? You're going to have some sort of like action figure on a pole match or something. They're going to do something <laughs> else, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, this match didn't do anything for me. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I, I thought they had a nice match. I quite liked the, the Rough Rider on the ramp, I thought looked pretty cool. Um, I'm just. I hate these kind of fake injury story ref kind of stopping the match things. It, for me, it doesn't make sense. Like I'm, I know I'm watching a predetermined event, uh, but I want to suspend my disbelief and believe it's a real fight. Right. If the referee's throwing up the X and saying a performer can't fight, the match is over. Like we, it happened twice in in UFC yesterday, right? The the leg kicks and yep. you check, you can't continue. The match is over, and or you do it where a person is legit, a wrestler is legitimately injured, and you do this, you stop the match outright, and us the viewer, we stop suspending our disbelief and go, no, these are performers who have injured themselves. When it happens in storyline in a match, it just makes no sense to me because as soon as the X is thrown up, Brian Myers has won the match. And the idea of a wrestling match is you hurt someone enough so you tap them out or you pin them. So if Zack Ryder, sorry, if Matt Cardona can't continue, it's because Brian Myers has won the match. Maybe I'm being petty, but it, it's something that just drives me mad. And then you're doing the the tease with the friendship thing with the handshake, which I understood, but I don't know. It, it just, it just bothers me. And it always takes me out of the match. I said the same thing in the, um, was it the winter is coming match? They had a kind of injury angle in that as well. It, it just really takes me out of the match. Yeah, I agree. And a little quick note here, uh, John Pollock had a, a breakdown of the anniversary tease. So some of the names that they showed was Samoa Joe, Mickey James, Chelsea Green. And uh, then they also showed TNA footage of Okada and Naito. 
and also a shot of Keiji Muto. Then they showed the Mexican and Australian flags representing possibly Andrade and the Iconics. And something interesting is they didn't actually have a date for Slammiversary. So maybe they're trying to coincide with exactly when the uh, no compete clause ends. And then a funny note is there are other shows they promoted under siege on May 15th and against all odds on June 12th are both going head to head with UFC 262 and UFC 263. So don't mark those dates on your calendar because most likely Impact <laughs> didn't realize that and they're probably going to have to change it. But yeah, um, so some interesting names. Obviously, the same thing they did last year with all these people coming in. But obviously, coming off of this match with uh, Cardona and uh, Myers, I could definitely see a Chelsea Green coming in. I know I threw in it, this crazy idea of uh, Hawkins or Myers aligning himself with Mojo, Raleigh, and Tennille as the alliance to end Cardona. And then Cardona brings in his sweetheart, Chelsea Green, the hot mess, <laughs> Laura Van Ness, the bride herself. And we have a crazy mixed tag match to the levels of Matt Hardy, Lita, and Edge. Why not? Let's do it. Um, that's funny, though, you saying they, they haven't said the date for uh, Slammiversary. Yeah, so they're probably just trying to find they're out They're advertising exactly when all they... these people and they haven't legally been able to have any conversations with anyone yet. Exactly. <laughs> but why not? Why not? Promoting, eh? We go to our tag team championship match, women's tag team championship match. It's Fire and Flavor, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles defending the title against Jordan Grace with her new partner, Rachel Ellering. And they're accompanied to the ring by the recently retired Jazz. With her new manager's license, they said. She just signed up. She officially became a manager. Yes. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think Jazz is, do you think this was just like one last appearance for a bit of fun or you think Jazz is actually going to stick around in Impact in a manager um, role? I think she's going to stick around. I mean, look, her first match, she, we'll get into it, but she was successful. So why not stick around as a manager? Um, who knows what her contract status is? Maybe she still is on a contract. They might want to use her as a um, trainer or something backstage. So why not use her on TV as well? Um, but yeah, I can see her sticking around for a while, at least for this set of tapings. The match starts with Jordan and Rachel just throwing Kira around everywhere. We get a double suplex from Fire and Flavor to Grace. Uh, there's a lot of double teaming from Kira and Tasha. They isolate Jordan Grace in their corner. Quick tags. Grace eventually starts to fight back with a big boot to Steels and a spine buster to Kira and makes the tag to Ellering, who hits an STO to Kira and a first rope spinning leg drop. Jordan then tags in and jumps off the back um, of to, of Ellering with a clothesline to Kira in the corner, followed up with like double team sent on knees from Rachel Ellering and Jordan Grace, which looked pretty cool. Um, so Kira was lying on the knees of Rachel Ellering as Jordan delivered a sent on. There's then a double suplex from Jordan to both members of Fire and Flavor. Jordan then backdrops Tasha to the outside, who on landing hits a cutter on the apron to Ellering. Uh, I I didn't know if I didn't know what to make of this move to be honest John I wasn't quite sure what I was looking at or who was taking taking it uh but I think it looked kind of cool it was just a bit sudden and um like yeah Tasha taking this backdrop and countering it into a cutter but it looked a bit messy but it was kind of cool what did you make yeah this is the spot that was right before the the Jordan Grace dive to the outside mm. it looked a little weird as well yeah both of these back to back just felt really kind of like sudden out of nowhere it definitely gave us the good reaction of whoa like but yeah it didn't seem like it went to plan but it definitely yeah. got a reaction as you said there's then a tope suicida from jordan which looked a little scary as well uh grace then hits a top rope cross body to the outside 
Uh, Tasha pulls Jordan to the outside and they're fighting out there as Ellering hits a fisherman sit-out spinebuster to Kira for the win in 9 minutes 28 seconds. Yeah, I was surprised. And I think overall, I have to admit, this entire Fire and Flavor tag run has been really disappointed. I mean, from mm. right from the get-go, they were treated like a joke. They were thrown into that Fire and Flavor Fest thing, and then they were kind of like running away from Jazz and, and you know taking the pen during Jazz's retirement. Like, no disappointment, because I was so looking forward to the Knockouts tag team. Then you have this team who comes in, their first match together, and they win the titles right away. Um, this match wasn't all there for me. There was a lot of sloppy moments, um, unfortunately. And these are four wrestlers that everybody knows are obviously really good. So you expect a little bit more. I'm hoping for a rematch where they can probably get a little bit more time and show a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm surprised that Grace and Ellering have the titles and there really isn't anybody for them to feud with unless they go to the rematch and then maybe down the line you bring in the Iconics because there really isn't that many tag teams in this brand new tag team division. Yeah, I, I thought this was really disappointing. It it kind of fell apart. There was quite a bit of botching. Again, my issue with so many of the tag team matches in Impact is there's zero refereeing. I had no idea who was legal. Uh, everyone's in the ring at the same time for a long time. Everyone's outside oh, the ring for a long time. I don't, I don't think, at one point, I don't think they even knew who was legal because they're no. all like, kind of like, they don't know who to grab and they're just like, oh, it was, that was pretty messy. I thought Ellering looked kind of out of position quite a lot of the time and and uh unfortunately i felt she was responsible for quite a few of the botches in the match um i also think tag team you can't just throw people together and expect them to have chemistry tasha and kira do have great chemistry but unfortunately the way they've been booked uh they've kind of been positioned as jokes and they're your only real legit tag team there i mean Nevaeh and Havoc aren't a thing anymore. Nevaeh's gone. And therefore, you're throwing John Grace and Ellering together um, for just their, what, first first match together? And Yeah, I'm, act- I'm actually like looking it up now. I don't think they even ever even teamed up in the Indies. Um, they've had a couple matches against each other. But yeah, as far as a tag team match, this is the first time they've ever, they've ever teamed up anywhere. So you can't expect them to have chemistry. And now they've won the title. And I, I think we really saw that tonight. I think... For this division to work, you really need to... Uh, and I, I think exactly the same with WWE because I, I think they are guilty of doing exactly the same thing of just throwing people together. You need to think who your tag teams are and keep them as a tag team. You need your legit tag teams. Uh, and I, I think this in, in the men's division as well. Um, you need three, four, five actual tag teams who work as tag teams and stay as tag teams and keep them as it for this division to work because otherwise you're just going to get sloppy matches like this i think because you're just going to have people thrown in random tags none of it matters uh you're now one legit team doesn't have the title i, I was quite kind of surprised i thought this was uh the wrong time for a title change yeah, and, and you have your tag teams out there. I mean, you have, obviously, the Iconics. You have, like, Team C-Stars, which did a couple of matches with AEW. Um, yes. I hate, to, I hate to say it. You have Diamante and Ivelisse. I don't know if they want to bring them in, but you have them. Like, there is established tag teams out there in the indies. They're, Shine Wrestling had an entire tag team division themselves, so you could definitely bring in these teams instead of, like, throwing in, oh, Grayson and Ellering look like they might be friends, so let's just put them together. Like, that doesn't really do it for me. It's, I mean, this whole story, we've seen Jordan Grace with at least three partners I can think of. Yeah. You had it with Tennille, Jazz, and now Rachel. There might have even yep. been 
she was with Alicia Edwards at one point, I think, as well. Yeah, they're um, just like 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 they replaced Novea with Rosemary now. So now Rosemary and Havoc are a team. Like it's and I kind like of who get can it. we put together? Yeah. I think it's more what can we do with Jordan Grace? Because she's one of your best women in that whole division. And you've already done the Diona Prazo match a couple of times. So I feel it's more we need to do something with Jordan Grace. So let's have her in the tag division. But yeah, I, I can't say I, I've been too impressed with the knockouts tag division since it started, which is a, a real shame because I'm very high up on Kira and Tasha, but they uh, it hasn't been good recently. Yeah, go, I feel like I feel like we're not gonna get. I mean, the first time they had the knockouts tag divisions, it ended up being ODB and Eric Young as the last tag team champions because that division fell apart. I really hope it doesn't end up the same route here. I hope not. the The iconics will help for sure. I think they'll they'll at least make the division fun, right? I hope so. Yeah. We go to our next match. It's a last man standing match: Trey Miguel taking on Sammy Callahan. Uh, Trey comes after Callahan hot right away with a bunch of drop kicks. And then Callahan eventually catches Trey and just dumps him over the top rope, pretty much a back bump to the floor. This looks so scary, but what a great start to this match. This, this, just the opening to this match really woke me up. I thought this was awesome. Yeah, no, like we're like making fun of in the chat, like how, you know, how quick are they going to start going to the, you know, meet the count, ref, meet the count. And it was right away because like he just got dumped out there right into the barricade. Like that was actually a warranted count him ref, count him ref, because he was, I feel like he was knocked out after that. I wish, I wish we would see more of that in wrestling, just like straight out the gate, just crazy moves like that. It felt like a, a big, like monster Royal Rumble spot, just launching someone over the top. I, I thought it was very impressive. We then get slice bread number two from Trey on the floor, followed by this crazy tope suicida that Sammy Callahan gets out of the way and he goes crashing right into the guardrail. This looked nuts. And Callahan again is just getting the ref to count. They then start brawling around the arena. Callahan gets one of the big equipment cases, the flight cases, and starts driving it towards Trey, trying to run him over with it. But Trey gets out of the way runs into a pop-up powerbomb onto the case, and then Sammy grabs a steel chain, starts whipping Trey with it. He then gets a wrench and puts it in Trey's mouth, trying to yank his teeth out, trying to split his cheek. Trey is then just... Sorry, Sammy's now launching chairs at Trey's head. We're back in the ring, and there's a load of chairs piled up in the middle of the ring, and Trey hits a side Russian leg sweep to Callahan on all the chairs to get back into it. There's then a table which is set up upside down with both of the legs standing up, and they start teasing suplexes onto the legs of the table. Keep on standing, switching, reversing, both going for the suplex. Eventually, Sammy picks up Trey, and Scoop slams him onto the legs, but Trey still manages to make it up and beat the count. Callahan is yeah, now... Th- it's, it's, sorry, it should be noted, he didn't fall like on the actual parts that stick up, but like the little divider in between part. Because if he would have yes. fell, it would have been like some Mortal Kombat fatality. I feel like if he would have fell right onto the top of it. But it was still right onto a metal bar, sounded... Oh, yeah. Uh, no, still, it's, it still hurt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I feel like, like, if I'd rather fall into... If I had the choice, I think I'd rather fall into, like, a flat, straight pole opposed to one sticking out. That's just me. <laughs> so Trey makes it back to his feet. Uh, Callahan is now throwing more chairs about. 
They're then now fighting on the top turnbuckle as a table is set up and Sammy hits a pile driver off the turnbuckle onto the table, but they kind of both slip off it and don't break the table. Looked way nastier and scarier uh, than it than it could have been. I am the table indeed. And you now see both legs of this table are completely fucked. They're then now fighting outside the ring and Sammy has set up a pair of steel steps sideways and they're now fighting on top of that. Sammy is going for a suplex off of these steps onto a table on the floor, but Sammy grabs Trey low, squeezing him in his manhood to make him let go and then hits the pile driver on the steel steps and puts the steps on top of Trey to have him down for the 10. The ref starts to count, but then around the eight second mark, we see Trey appear from under the ring, run up and hit a cutter off the steps to Sammy through the table. The referee starts to count as Trey pulls himself up on number nine. The referee counts to 10 and Trey Miguel wins the match in 15 minutes, 25 seconds. I really like this match. I enjoyed it possibly more than the main event. Um, I feel like this actually, every single spot in this had me invested. Like there wasn't like a lot of times in impact, you have these hardcore matches where like, okay, they're just brawling to the outside. They're wasting time. But I feel like every single spot that they set up here and I have to give credit to mostly to Sammy Catlahan, everything that he set up really was like, Oh my God, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen here? Um, the ending was a little weird because if the steps are on top of you, unless there's a trap door underneath or something or a side door, how exactly did he escape? I don't know. Some David Copperfield trick for sure. Um, but yeah, the match was great. The tables, I don't know where they got these tables from but yeah they just even the second time like it barely broke it they had to kind of like double force it once they fell to make sure it broke um mm. so yeah the match was great and i know we were making fun of earlier of cardona saving wrestling gear for wwe i feel like trey miguel might have had some gear as well that he saved for his nxt debut because he had like these what the armbands and the wristbands that were like kind of like the john cena style but it has like literally like the legit it wasn't even like it looked like it. it was a legit WWE logo, but upside down to form an M. So it was a little weird that he was able to wear that at impact. Maybe he just had those in case. Um, but yeah, the match was great. I got to give it to both of them, Trey Miguel and Sammy Callahan. I'm not coming into this. I know you heard me on the primer. I really didn't have high expectations for this, but I have to mm. admit for a last man standing, they delivered. Um, I'm just curious if they're going to continue after this. I mean, how can you, I mean, there's plenty of ways to top a last man standing match, but do you feel like it's warranted? I feel like this match had a substantial winner. Like there wasn't really any controversy or anything. No, I think Trey needs to move on now. Um, start moving his way up the card. Uh, I, I, I think he'd mix it up great with some of the X Division lot. Like I'd love to see him versus Josh Alexander, but I think the the main event is where I'd like to see him and maybe get yeah. a, a title opportunity against Kenny um, on TV or one of the Impact Plus specials, perhaps. Uh, that would be that would be I a think good that step could be a great match. Yeah, and, Trey, like you could have that Trey versus Kenny at the next show while. Swan versus Moose for number one contenders, and then maybe Moose can go on. But yeah, you would think for somebody to like not go to T uh, NXT or AEW and to come back to Impact to kind of be thrown to the X Division again, like that was the same position he was before. Yeah, yeah he has to move on from that. He's got to go to the world title. He's page. bigger than that now for sure. Um, I I really enjoyed this match. I thought this was match of the night. To be honest, I thought they used the time really well. Um, this was uh, up to this point on the show the longest match, but it kind of flew by for me, and I thought they. 
uh, kind of every moment had stuff going on. And I'm not a big fan of Sammy Callahan. I think I, I made a joke on the Twitch as this started. It's like, okay, how long before we start throwing each other into the guardrails on the outside? Because that's every Sammy Callahan match. But I thought they had a lot of spots that looked looked scary and dangerous and worthy of a last man standing match, but still just wrestled a good entertaining match. And I'm not a fan of the gimmick that you, you don't get those near falls on a last man standing match. What you stand up on nine instead of 10. It, it doesn't quite have the same drama for me, but I, I really thought this delivered. I thought both guys did really well here. Yeah. And I have to give it up for impact. I mean, maybe they, they heard us complaining about the I quit match, but we didn't really get it thrown on our face that it was last man standing match. We had the roughly count of the 10 at almost every spot like you had with the I quit match. So yeah, it was good. It delivered for sure. I, I think I have to agree. It might be the best match of the show. We then have our tag team championship match. The Good Brothers taking on the Impact Tag Team Champions, New Japan's own Finn Juice, David Finley, and Juice Robinson. Um, the titles switched at the, the last big pay-per-view. It was a Sacrifice, I'd like to say. Yeah, Sacrifice was the one where they got the titles before they sacrifice. left. Yeah. And they had a hell of a match on that pay-per-view. So high expectations for this one. Uh, Gallows and Anderson come out and Gallows is kind of dressed like Juice Robinson here. He's got a, a jacket on. He's got this black leather fedora, uh, these silly glasses and dangly earrings, as I believe him and the Bucks are liking their, their danglies right now. It even said dangly like on his outfit, right? He had, like dangly, dangling coming down his uh, vest. That was hilarious. Uh, well, do, do you think you could rock the danglies, John? Me, no. Um, I think Fire Frank is going to do that. I know we, we, we recommended he wears like a dangling fireball coming from him. Oh. Now that his new, his new form tag team, we, we discovered it's going to be Fire Frank and Luxurious Flavor, fi- our own fire and flavor. Like, how do we not think about that? How did we not think of this? Yeah. Uh, They're going after to... the tag titles. Uh, Nate Milton and Eric Marcotte, I think you have Fire and Flavor coming after you. Oh, yeah. I love it. Love it. Um, but... To not be outdone, Finn Juice come out and they look incredible. They're in these matching blue and yellow diamond Ikea color gear. Uh, They look tremendous, just so extravagant, uh, over the top. Um, I I thought these guys looked great tonight. Yeah, this is like gear that they had in Japan and Gator was like, no, 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 no. You guys aren't wearing that on the show. Like, all right, we'll save it for a back then. (laughs) So it starts off with uh, Finjuice double-teaming uh, uh, Anderson. Gallows comes in with a big pump kick, taking out Finley on the outside. Finally, Finn gets the tag to Juice, who fires back uh, with a senton on Anderson. There's a tope to Gallows. Then his jabs, followed by the inverted atomic jo- drop. The leg lariat from Juice is ducked. We then get the assisted double neck breaker from the good brothers they go up for the magic killer but finley pulls juice out of the way allowing juice to roll up gallows with a small package for the win in 10 minutes 32 seconds and finn juice retain yeah i was a little shocked by this i mean the first match we definitely enjoyed more and i think i pointed this out the fact that like we had low expectations going into the first match and it over delivered and then this one we're like all right yeah great this is a rematch and then it just didn't really deliver at all and then the finish kind of came out of nowhere and i was very surprised that finn juice retained i thought you know this is you know good brothers get the titles back they're going to be running with this faction and aw where they would have a, they would have had eight titles at this point right you had the four titles and the four titles from kenny omega and the four titles from the tag belts that, that was my perfect vision so i was actually shocked that finn juice 
has it because I guess they're gonna have to go to, back to Japan, right? I know I presented the idea of maybe like Kenny Omega being pissed off, like, hey, listen, I got four titles now. You guys have none. These guys are going back to Japan. You guys need to follow them. Get on the plane and go go to Japan and get the titles. Maybe that was the idea, but now obviously things have changed in Japan. Maybe they won't be able to go to Japan, and they might have kind of thrown a wrench in the plans. Um, but yeah, I was shocked. So I'm I don't know how long Finn Juice are going to stick around here. Um, if more people are going to come from Japan, uh, maybe Gorillas of Destiny. Who knows? But um, I'm just very shocked that they kept the titles on Finn Juice. Yeah, hopefully it means we're just getting more Finn Juice and Impact, and we can have matches against other tag teams in the division. Um, I think there's definitely story to be had here with Kenny's disappointment in the Good Brothers, and that can possibly play into uh, the Bucks even um, on Ooh, Dynamite. That that would be great, actually. If you could, if maybe the Bucks will have, they can work in Impact. They could be like, hey, if the Good Brothers can't do it, what about Matt and Nick, and have them go to Impact and take the titles? Yeah. Yeah, it, it could be a way to then drive, like, eventually we'll get the Good Brothers versus the Young Bucks, but the Young Bucks can almost be doing their own collector gimmick, perhaps. Um, but yeah, I, I was surprised to see this, but it obviously just means we're going to get more Finn Juice, which I think's a good thing to bolster the roster. But the match never got going at all for me, unfortunately. Um, it, it felt very TV, um, and the last one didn't. The last one did feel like a... A decent match so hopefully next time they can pull it out a bit more but this this was really not memorable at all this one i agree and finally we have our women's championship match to neil dashwood with caleb with a k taking on the champion diana perazzo who's accompanied by susan and kimber lee the match starts with a lot of submissions from Diona. Tennille starts to come back with some clotheslines, followed by a top rope cross body. There's then a bit of a stand and switch sequence with both going for their German suplexes, which Diona eventually hook, uh, lands. There's a double underhook suplex into the corner from Tennille, followed by the, I'm still calling it it, the Emma sandwich in the corner. Tennille then locks in the Muta lock, which looked pretty good, as Susa, Susan and Kimberly get on the apron to interfere. Caleb comes over, pulls them off, gets Susan on his shoulders, but Kimberly pushes him into the turnbuckle. So that's taking the three of them out for the rest of the match. We get a nice pump kick from Diona. Diona then goes up to the top rope and hits, i got to say, a really bad-looking falling headbutt, which is missed, followed up by the spotlight kick from Tennille, which is her finish, but Kimberly breaks the pin. We then get a, a Fujiwara armbar attempt from Diona. It took her quite a while to get it applied. And at this point, this is where both women just look kind of lost. Uh, the interference kind of got in the way. They kind of look like they didn't have their footing. But eventually, Diona hits the neutralizer, uh, kind of the, the gotch-style um, front face slam that Cesaro does. I believe she's calling it the Queen's Gambit. And Diona yep. retains the championship in nine minutes, 45 seconds. Yeah, this match, unfortunately, like one side of me was like expectations and it was like the reality aspect of it. And I was like, you know, this is it. This is Emma, Peniel Dashwood versus Diana Perrazzo, two of the best women wrestlers in the world right now. Yeah, go out there and have the best match possible. But the reality was it was two heels with heels in her corner with the heel shenanigans getting involved and Caleb getting involved and, and Susan and Kimberly to the point where it just 
unfortunately under delivered. Um, I was hoping this would have been Tennille's breakout moment. She gets the, you know, she would have sent Caleb to the back and it would have been a straight woman versus woman, but that wasn't the case. It was um, the usual Tennille stuff mixed with the Deanna, the Deanna stuff. Didn't mix at all. Uh, and then we're gonna go into, obviously into the post post uh, angle with the, with the with the debut or redebut, I guess you can say. But I feel like every month is just like who's the new person for Diana to be. You know, you had your ODB, you had your Jazz, now you have your Tennille, and we're gonna get into the the next one as well. But it's just like I don't know, something needs to be done about Tennille. Like it's not even against Diana. I feel like it's Tennille just is just feels lost right now. Yeah, I, I kind of felt everything was wrong about this match. It it felt. As you said, this is two heels going for the title here. It felt Diana was leaning slightly babyface going into it because she was she was kind of putting over Jazz after her retirement and things like that. And Tanil's definitely been healing it up on TV. But the way Tanil was wrestling, she was wrestling like the babyface here. The only reason Caleb got involved was to stop the other two from interfering. So I took that Tanil was the babyface here, but. Uh, unfortunately, the interference wasn't needed, I didn't think. And the two women just looked lost at the end of the match, which is such a shame because I, I think both are fantastic. But to Neil, like, I, I don't know if I can say that anymore because I, I can't say the last good to Neil Dashwood match I saw. Yeah, definitely. Had well, I can. It was impact, Emma versus Oscar yeah. at Wembley, which I re-reviewed <laughs> the other week. Like, I, it's, it's a shame because you see glimmers of it there from Tennille. like the yeah i thought her whole spot with the the mutalock and everything looked lovely but then other moments i just think it, it feels like she's lost a step yeah i mean i will admit this though her and caleb with a k look pretty awesome with the matching orange plaid outfits they had so i'll give that to them but i um, did she needs she needs to like snap i need to, i want to see Tennille snap and beat the crap out of caleb and just go straight baby face and, and go after the title it might not happen next obviously because we have a a wild debut coming in to face Oh, Deanna yes. Next. So after the match, Diana, Kimberly, and Susan are all beating down on Tennille when Taylor Wilde comes out, making her big return. She comes out smiling, runs the ring, beats them all up. She hits a step-up Tornado DDT to Kimberly and a German suplex to Susan. So I guess that's your next title program, Taylor Wilde and Diana Perazzo. Um, yeah, I mean, this is big. Taylor Wilde, she retired literally 10 years ago, like wow. 2011, former Knockouts champion, former two-time tag team Knockouts champion. Um, so this is pretty big, and she looks great. She looks in probably better shape than she did back then. Um, so I'm happy to see her in here. I feel like she deserves to be in this division. Um, and I think she could have some really great matches with Deanna and anybody in the Knockouts division, to be honest. Yeah, I I, I do kind of know what you're saying, though. It's... I. The knockouts division's a weird one because we we do sing its praises. They've got talented women here, but they do just keep on having to bring someone in for Diana to face. And it there does feel a massive gap between, I'd say, Diana and Jordan at the top of your knockouts division and everyone else there, unfortunately. Um, so it's something they need to do. And, and I think a lot of that is down to purely the amount of comedy shit they do. Like, I, I haven't taken Neil Dashwood seriously for so long. Even even the likes of Rosemary or, or even Tyre when she was there, they do so much comedy stuff that I can't really take them too seriously when it comes to the actual matches, and I know they're good. Um, so I, I think the knockouts division is something Impact need to start working on because the talent's there, but it's really not clicking for me at the moment. But 
hopefully Taylor Wilde. I, I've got to say, I, I haven't seen anything of her. I wasn't someone who watched TNA. I've, I just got into impact during this empty arena era. That's, that's my era of impact, John. Yeah, I think you're enjoying. I know she's from around your part, she's a Toronto girl, so you know oh. she definitely is well loved. One of the original knockouts. Do you think that this like thing is going to keep going with Deanna fighting like somebody new every month? Because obviously you can bring in a Mickey James, you can bring in a Chelsea Green. You got the Iconics. There's plenty of women out there for her to wrestle, so she can keep up this virtuoso gimmick and fight somebody new every month for the rest of the year if she really wanted to. It feels like that. Yeah, they'll probably do that until Jordan Grace is ready to kind of take the title off her again, maybe. Okay, so that was the show. That was Impact Rebellion. Uh, highlights, I think my match of the night was definitely the last man standing match. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, the X Division triple threat, but I got to say that that main event let me down. Yeah, unfortunately. And I really hope they get a rematch. I really hope that maybe they saw this and they're like, and maybe Tony Khan's like, listen, you guys are better than this. Let's have you guys fight on dynamite i know i brought out the idea of blood and guts i don't know i've heard the rumor of it being a one match show in two hours but maybe you can squeeze in a, a rich swan kenny omega match for that like why not have the rematch there have rich swan saying hey you know you beat me in my in my home yard i'm gonna come fight you in your home um and just do that rematch because i feel like these two deserve a better match both of them honestly um but yeah i agree my match tonight is this last man standing match um the x division uh, three-way was great uh, other than that, I mean, those like the only two matches I could really like recommend. Honestly, the tag, the knockouts matches weren't that good. The impact tag match wasn't that good. Um, Omega and Swan, like I would still go out your way to watch it, but don't expect like the Omega that you're used to. Um, and shout out to WH Park Morrissey on his return <laughs> debut over here. Hopefully, he gets a, a new name soon and uh, might bring in his little uh, his little New Jersey pit bull with him as well down the road. Oh yeah. Well, that's what we thought. Uh, we put up feedback on forum.postwrestling.com. Let's see what you thought. And we still have a few minutes left. If you do want to call in, uh, the the link is on the Twitch feed right now. So still a few minutes left if you wish to call in. But I'm going to start off with Mark P, who says, Just wanted to say I love the structure of the main event. The fact they played with so many tropes of a fuck finish and in the end went with a clean one, a ref bump a chair being pulled away, a German with everybody's shoulders on the mat, people at ringside waiting to interfere, a really entertaining and rewarding high stakes match. Just wish it had been in front of a live crowd. Okay. So, so Mark liked the match thought, uh, liked all the kind of extra shenanigans, um, kind of teasing you that it was going to be a fuck finish, but ended up being pretty clean. Uh, yeah, so I, I, def I definitely I think I'm going to go back and watch the match. I feel like maybe I should give it another chance and obviously listen a little bit more paying attention to Mauro on commentary. Maybe he helped the match. Maybe it's, there's some things that I didn't hear um, while doing the watch along that I would have caught that maybe would have maybe more invested into the match. So I'm definitely going to give it another chance because I feel like these guys deserve it. It's Omega and Rick Swan, two of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, so, yeah, maybe people out there loved it and thought the match was great. So uh, we're going to go from. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you if you had feedback. Yeah, I got it right here. Ben from Vancouver. Uh, thought it was an okay show. Match the night for me was the opener or Callahan and Miguel. Omega and Swan was fine, but I felt they gave they gave Rich way too much. It's travesty that Chris Bay and Johnny Swinger weren't on the show. Both guys have should have had some presence. Yeah, whatever happened to Chris Bay? Was he injured? I feel like we haven't oh, seen him in this time. Yeah, it's, it's been a while, hasn't it? Cardona needs to go away and evolve. Also, the whole Violent by Design stable is just death. Has looked okay, but I can't believe they couldn't come up with a better name than W. 
Morrissey. Overall, a five out of ten show. Yeah, I'm actually I'm upset that Johnny Swinger wasn't on the show as well. I, I can't wait for Enzo Amore and Johnny Swinger. That would be great. Have Enzo and Cass and Swinger's Palace. That's like that writes itself. Uh, I I don't think uh, Johnny. Uh, sorry, W Morrissey should be going to Swinger's Palace. Uh, <laughs> oh, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Enzo, yes, but yeah, W Morrissey, maybe not. Yeah. And finally, we go to Dan from Regina, who says, first time buying an Impact pay-per-view, and I thought it was worth it. The X Division opener, the last man standing match, and the main event were my top matches of the show. I've been especially impressed with Trey Miguel over the past weeks, and hopefully they continue to give him a push. Who do you guys think Trey's next program is with? Um, Okay, so we've both given thoughts about possibly a title match against Omega. Uh, not a win, but a title match would be good. But who else is there you could see him mixing with? Yeah, I mean, he like I feel like if he if he's gonna fight Omega, he needs to have a couple matches before then. I don't think just beating Sammy Callahan on a last man standing match warrants that. Um, trying to think who else, Trey Miguel. I would love to see like maybe have him with a couple X division matches. Maybe not necessarily go for the title, but you could have him fight a Josh Alexander on one show. Have him fight like a Willie Mack. Um, but I really think that Kenny Omega should be the next story the next um, big match that he does have. And then at the same show, like we said, we could have Rich Swan and Moose go for the number one contendership. Um, but yeah, I feel like he shouldn't, like, I feel like he could be in the next division, but I don't, I personally don't want to see him have those matches. So I would go straight, straight to Kenny. I feel like they're the only options really. Um, you could like violent by design, a feud with them just feels exactly the same as Sammy Callahan. So I wouldn't go there. Um, I could see maybe, going back to the Ace Austin feud and maybe that's a feud to kind of go for main event and separate them both from the X division perhaps. But other oh, yeah, than that's that, good, yeah. yeah, it's, it's really X division or, or Kenny, I would say. That's um, true. Yeah, Cause I'm just, I'm looking at the card right now. People that wrestle today. It's like, there really isn't that many people for him to feud with, no. with the exception of violent by design. Like there really isn't, or like you said, if you take an Ace Austin out of the X division and maybe have Ace Austin versus Trey and the winner of that gets a title shot against Kenny and that way you can elevate both Austin and um, Miguel. Yeah, absolutely. I feel, didn't we have some sort of tournament around this time last year for, uh, oh, that was, or was that when Tessa dropped the championship or, or something? Cause I'm wondering if maybe that's something they can do coming up soon, some sort of yeah, I mean the match for Slammiversary last year was the uh, for the vacant championship, right? That's when they brought That's in right. Eric Young and Rich Swan came back at the five way match. That's the one that she was supposed to be in. And they pulled her. Yeah, That's the whole thing with Tessa was around that time. Yep. All right. Well, that was what we thought and you thought about Impact Wrestling's Rebellion from 2021. Um, yeah, hit and miss show for me, um, but we'll be coming back with another Deep Impact at some point. Not promising when, uh, got a house to move to, but um, yeah, we'll be we'll still be dipping our water into the world of impact. So don't you worry, because I know uh, I've been getting a message from uh, quite a few of you who enjoy these impact shows. So I'm going to try and keep these as regular as possible, and definitely be doing these uh, kind of primer shows we did um, before the big pay per view. So we'll definitely be still covering impact. So don't you worry. But as always, we've got so much coming up on Up Next. Uh, coming out on the Patreon right now, we have Was Next. We're looking at the March 13th, 2013 episode of NXT featuring Antonio Cesaro versus Big E Langston in, wouldn't you know it, a champion versus champion match. Huh, very funny. Uh, we've also had our Mortal Kombat review has come out. 
Um, that was a lot of fun. First time I've ever seen uh, that film. And we've got so many more shows coming out this next week. Obviously, we've got up next on Tuesday, 10.15 Eastern Time on the Twitch, or you can find by just searching for the Up Next podcast. Wednesday night is BD Elite, where we talk all about AEW Dynamite. And then we're back with more Patreon shows. Uh, we'll be joined by Dustin Koga to talk about The Outsiders, the film from 1983. That'll be next week. We've got our MCW Brewery Brawl up already. So many shows coming out. And always check out the Twitch, twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast. Sino, would you like to tell us uh, what you've got going on, both on the Twitch and on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, if you guys need your deep impact fix, the next best thing would be my weekly reports. Every Thursday now, I write reports at postwrestling.com about impact, and I'll most likely have reports up for the Impact Plus shows with um, Under Siege and Against All Odds. And then uh, down the road, whenever the Slammiversary show pops on, I'll probably be throwing my thoughts about that as well. Um, and MLW for the next couple of weeks until they actually have a season finale, which I wish more wrestling organizations <laughs> would take a little mm -hmm. bit of break and have a couple months off. That's, that's good for them and good for me as well. Uh, and Shot in the Dark, obviously, every Wednesday afternoon, uh, talking about NWA, NXT UK, 205 Live, AW Dark, obviously. Uh, many more shows that I'm probably forgetting right now. Mm -hmm. But uh, 15 minutes or less, uh, I know New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong. I'm just going to be a the next show this week is going to be all about their uh, their crowning of their champion. So if you want to know about it and don't want to look it up, listen to me this Wednesday talk all about that match. Um, yeah, that's it for Shot in the Dark. And uh, thank you for having me on this show, Davey. Um, this is my first time, I think, doing a pay-per-view post-show with you. So uh, it was a very nice occasion. I know usually Nate Milton and Andrew Thompson hold it down here. Uh, I don't know, is Andrew and Nate like, celebrating their Up Next Mania wins? Or something? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Uh, too good for this now? I know Andrew wasn't available, although I listened to MCU later and Nate said he recorded something like five shows yeah, yesterday. I heard that. So I, I think the Podfather needs a bit of a break. Yeah, uh, well deserved. Well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. But don't forget, Fire, Fire, Frank, and Flavor Luxurious are coming after you guys for the tag titles. I'm booking <laughs> it right now. And uh, what do you have coming up on the other guys this Friday on the Twitch? Yeah, so our obviously we're done with Falcon and Winter Soldier, but it's going to be movie season. Um, I didn't see who won the Oscars, so we'll probably be talking about whoever the best picture is. Uh, this Friday, we'll also be talking about the new Tom Clancy movie starring Michael B. Jordan, which is called Without Remorse. I'm a big Tom Clancy fan, watch all the movies. So we'll be talking about that. And in the next couple of weeks, there's a lot of movies coming out that we'll be talking about uh, going right into Loki, which starts in June. So you have like uh, Quiet Place 2, the new Jason Statham movie, Wrath of Man. Uh, so many movies coming out. So we'll definitely be talking about things. I know Star Wars has a new show coming on Disney Plus on May the 4th. So we'll be talking about that show as well, The Bad Batch. So yeah, enjoy every uh, Friday, twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast, 6.30 Eastern. And then after usually uh, Mike and the guys, some of the world champs come on and they do a watch along for SmackDown and whatever else they feel like watching that night. So make sure you enjoy it. Join us every Friday, 6.30 Eastern on twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast. Well, that's it from us. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you, John, once again for joining me. Um, take care. Good night. Be safe. And I guess, what, Kenny Omega's the, the greatest wrestler in the last 10,000 years. 10, He's the mega years. champion. 10,000 years, guys. Take care. Ahoy!
Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-on bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIO, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIO. Whether it's Kroger Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Kroger has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone.